Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today. At some point, we all work for a boss, right? Or we are the boss, maybe both. How do we balance our personal and professional life to keep our boss happy? How do we keep trouble at work from ruining our life at home? And how do we keep trouble at home from making us crabby around our employees? We're talking about the boss right here after the news with our own boss, Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. The Justice Department is working to block the merger of U.S. Airways and American Airlines based on fears the combination will lead to higher prices and less service for customers. The two carriers are issuing a joint response saying they will vigorously defend their plan to combine. Two friends of the accused Boston bomber who have been charged with obstruction of justice pled not guilty in a brief court appearance today. Police say the two 19-year-olds tried to destroy personal items belonging to the bombing suspect. After North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory signed a new voter ID measure into law last night, civil rights groups wasted no time bringing up legal challenges. Opponents say the new legislation unnecessarily makes voting harder for minorities and the elderly. A Florida timeshare resort where a sinkhole devoured a building late Sunday night is urging scheduled guests to, quote, come on down. The resort's general manager says testing on the now 100-foot-wide sinkhole and the surrounding area will be complete by tomorrow. The 16 co-workers from New Jersey who will be splitting a third of the $448 million Powerball jackpot made their public debut today. At least one of the winners will use the money to replace the home she lost to Hurricane Sandy. In world news, 26 Palestinian prisoners were released today, a month after Israeli leaders vowed to release a larger group. The move is part of an effort to ease tensions between Israel and the Palestinians ahead of a planned reboot of peace talks. A New York Times article published today reveals the Syrian rebel forces are getting their weapons from an unlikely source, Sudan. Sudan has close ties with Iran, a nation which strongly supports Syrian President Bashir Assad, but Western officials and Sudanese rebels have both confirmed the claims. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program today, my friends. And, uh, you know, if you're out there listening on your way to work, coming home from work, today may be the topic for you. Today we're talking about bosses, the powerful role they can play in motivating us. We're talking about employee engagement as well. Uh, Apparently, that's a big trend in the HR world is how engaged you are as an employee. Do you just show up counting your days? You've only got 22 more years till you retire. (sighs) Let's do it again. Day in, day out. Are you an engaged employee? Would you say that, you know, on a scale from one to 10, how engaged, how active, where's your morale when it comes to being an employee? Uh, a worker, are you excited about it? And interestingly, what play, what place does your boss play in you being engaged? Uh, that's what we're talking about on the show today. Employee engagement and a motivating boss. Think in your life, your most motivating bosses. I'm going to bring the team in on this. Who, think about it, kiddos, in your life, most motivating boss? And again, 
you don't have to go to me because I'm really not your boss. But you don't have to talk about the show and how great we are. But just, you know. My manager's at, uh, at when I was working for Target Corporation. Target. Target. Okay. Um, they're very good motivators. Really? Because I didn't want their job. I wanted to get paid more than them for doing <laughs> hopefully less work. I was don't this know. working at the store, Target? This is working at the store, yeah. And you wore a red shirt? I wore a red shirt and khakis and the name How did tag. they motivate you? Because this would be interesting. They had me do all the awful jobs. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to college. I'm going to yeah. get a better job than you guys. Someone got sick on aisle five. Bryce! I think that's a code yellow. I think that's is what, that that's what they called. call that. I don't that? know what they call it. Code something. I know code red was like for fire and code black was for Lost kid child. had just been yeah. kidnapped. No, Kidnapped I mean, child. Kid- yes. So if we're in there and someone says code black. Or better yet, uh, well, everyone always dreamed of going in there and grabbing one of the phones and being like code black aisle six. And everyone would be like, oh, oh wow, okay. worst prank ever. That Don't ever do that. Pro- yeah. I always love how they had the, the secret codes. Uh, yeah. I remember uh, – there used to be a chain in Utah. I think it's still up in Portland. Fred Meyer. Yeah, yeah. And you'd hear this recording every once in a while. Customer service in Levi's, please. Yeah. And you go, what's that? And it was every time I was in the store. Really? Every time. Two, three times while shopping, you know. And I finally one day uh, you asked. a clerk was helping me and I said, boy, did they just not have anybody back at Levi's? <laughs> How much customer service would a person need? And the, and the lady says, well, that actually, that alerts security that they think somebody's heading for the door. With some stolen material. So that was the West Valley City, Fred Meyer. Customer service in Levi's, please. Leading the door, the front door, please. Huh. How do we get to there from managers? Secret codes. Oh, that's right. Secret codes, Target, favorite manager. So their motivation was simply, don't be like me. By existing, I was motivated. So, But it motivated you out. You got out of Target. I did. See, but that – see, employee employers want their people to stay. So really what I'm pointing out is they did a terrible job motivating me. So they – yeah, they didn't keep you in. No, they didn't. Wow, that's not a good example. You should have saved that one for your rant. Well. Oh, well. Possibly. We'll, we'll bring it up later. Mer- who's your favorite boss ever? Ever. I don't know. You know, looking back, it's, again, the same thing. Yeah. I was just glad to be out. Yeah. Of, you, yeah. <laughs> out of like, each job. Woo-hoo, I'm done. No more taking pictures of school children. That was Oh, that's right. You taught. Oh, that's, see, that's a hard When job. I was done with that. Smile. Yeah. Smile. I was, was really glad. Yeah. I don't know. Being done with, like, office temp work. That yeah. was always pretty good, too. You like so, that, but you like being done. Yeah. I have had several professors who have been very motivating. Really? Yeah. What's the difference with them? Um, they take – I think the professors who have meant a lot to me have been the people who have taken a personal interest in what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. What I'm doing with my life, who take time. That so know you. Yeah. Know, know your me. dreams. Yeah. Appreciate what I do. That's cool. I've talked with. So. My um, favorite manager – not no, not really. My favorite manager is a youth – I crashed. Okay, did I ever tell the story? I can't remember. I used to. You haven't told the story. Yet, crash. So. Yeah. Do we talk about that? I think you've shared it, but it might have. Been I haven't like heard it in our meetings or something. I don't know. So I used to work on a golf course, and because I thought, how great is that? Because you get free golf, you know, dues or whatever. And well, you only get them once a week. And oh man, you only get to golf for free once a week. Once a week, hard but, life. Well, but you stand on a course five days a week. Well, there's that. So, so by the time you the actually – The sixth day, you don't actually want to be no, there anymore. last thing you want to do is go beyond the score. So, and you just mow and you'd mow around trees. And so like you could literally be handed a mower and you go mow for five hours around trees. 
It was hard. Then one day I got to work the pond, which was great. I didn't know what how do you work with hip waders, which is you know rubber boots that are overalls that coveralls that, but you can't get water in them, <laughs> so you can't bend over because if you bend over they'll fill with water and then you're just basically stuck. And uh, I didn't know that. So I found that out the hard way. Live and learn. Yeah, live and learn. But I don't know how else you're supposed to get it because you're in a lake and you're supposed to get you know the weeds out of the lake. So you've got to bend over somehow. So they obviously knew I was going to get stuck. I think I didn't – I wasn't made for that job because a lot of lawnmowers didn't work when I brought them back. A lot of weed eaters were broken and a lot of hip waders were ruined. Huh. Anyway, I hadn't thought of that. But um, I'm Is your driving. boss uh, Mr. Spacely – no. Jetson, uh, kind of, but no. He, they would send me out, and they'd always kind of wonder what they. Maybe they were just giving me the bad stuff. That may have been it. Were you the low guy on the totem pole? I was new. Yeah, I didn't like to Could consider myself be. the low guy, but I was always the last one out with the thing that didn't work. I mean, that's what we do here. We give you know newbies yeah. the the computers that don't work with all of the, the programs. headsets with only one ear yeah. that works. Yeah. yeah, like Rob's right there that he's wearing on his head right now. Um, but we're sitting there, and they send me out with a Cushman truck. Have you ever heard of a Cushman? Oh, is that the little uh, trucks they have at the airport to drive yes, uh, kind old of. people yes. to their gate? And this was one that was a little golf truck, seats too. has a big box on the back, a big hydraulic box. And I was working on the Sabbath, Sunday. And, you know, I didn't feel good about working on Sunday, but I was because they – put me in that day to work. Those golfing weights for no man, okay? Yeah, so I'm working on a Sunday, always feeling a little guilty about going into work. But, you know, you'd get done by 11, so I could still get to church with a nice tan. And um, riding, driving back to the shop, I've worked, I've mowed five hours, and I'm driving back, just minding my own business, driving down a golf, car, golf uh, cart path. And, you know, the path was a little bouncy, and these Cushmans had a lot of... I mean, you didn't have to be going 30 miles an hour. No, I didn't. But how else were you going to get back? Well, and you know, we always go 30. <laughs> Standard. We always go 30. And so I've never gone 30 in that area, but we always go 30. So I was just going 30. Even if the area couldn't handle it, I was going to do it. So I'm bouncing, and um, lo and behold, weirdest thing, my little box on the back of my lawnmower, or my Cushman truck, somehow kind of, we kind of all bounced into a fence. So, I mean, the fence was running alongside me. And we bounced. I don't know how it happened. It wasn't the driving, but it was probably just more, I don't know, the geography. Like we were, it was bouncy. It was a weird hill. I mean, the earth is spinning. That's and true. So I didn't think of that. It spun underneath you. So, so yeah, and... the fence spun. And it got close to my box on the back. And just the little corner, just the corner of my little hydraulic Cushman box caught on the fence. Just caught and a mate. You know what? Stop me. Stop me cold. It just stopped me. What, what are those things they call in aircraft carriers that stop the plane? Yeah. Is it the arresting wire? Yeah, that was it. Bam. I had an arresting fence and it arrested me and um, ripped the box right off the back. And I flew about two miles. I'm not good with distance. And um, I looked back and my my Cushman truck was torqued and twisted and caught up in a fence. And I'm like, Sundays. Shouldn't be working Sundays. Duh. <sighs> Had to pick up all the sprinklers, everything that was in the back of that truck, found it all, unhooked it from the fence, drove it in. It was kind of wobbly. Wugga, wugga, wugga. Sounded like that. 
took me about twice as long to get down. I pull in just like everyone else. We're all just pulling in to drop our stuff off. Everyone's leaving. I'm just waving. My truck's jacked. And I just get off and the maintenance guy comes out, my boss. Townsend! He's like, what's up? I'm like, you know what? I shouldn't be working Sundays. And like, I, I imagine you saying that and the actual <laughs> golf cart, like, pieces falling off of it and making yeah, noise yeah. in the background yeah. of that conversation. That was it. All I had to, like, say, I can't remember the hole, but I think it was, like, the 14th hole. He said, what happened? I'm like, 14th hole. He's like, were you going fast? Yeah. 30. Okay. Go home. By the way, never worked Sunday again. I mean, I actually hardly worked there at all. <laughs> but never worked like, Sunday. I like think I was fired. Yeah. But I mean, but I wasn't fired. But this guy, he could have gone off. He could have just embarrassed me. He already knew I was the guy that breaks everything, and he didn't say anything. Okay, we'll fix it up. I think he actually liked it because I gave him something to do. Um, I, in the end, I think the uh, bosses can be a big part. They're awesome. That guy was cool. He didn't embarrass me. You know, they can also be a jerk. But they do – he made me more engaged because I liked him more because he didn't kill me. Apparently, this there's a huge movement now, right, in engagement and employee engagement. So what yeah. is that all about, Mary? Okay. Well, employee engagement is kind of how emotionally committed a person is to their job. Now, think, by the way. I don't know if you've heard, but the economy sputtered. For a while. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And in its sputtering, it, um, a lot of people lost employment. Yeah, yeah. Heard right? about that. Mm-hmm. And then, and now, you know, so having engagement in your job is a big deal because if it actually impacts your, um, your work, this could either save your job or you lose your job, but you lose your job at a time that's really hard to find a job. So this employee engagement is how much energy we have to do our job. Is that what that means? Kind of. It's just how committed you emotionally committed you are to your organization, which in turn definitely affects how okay. well you work. Yeah. Yeah. So a bunch of studies done recently that have shown that 71% of American employees are not engaged in their jobs. Really? 71%? Yeah, 71%. That's sad. It is sad. They need to go work at the golf course. <laughs> Obviously. Um, but then – on the other hand, companies who have engaged employees outperform other companies by about 200%. Are you serious? Yeah. So those that are engaged outperform by 200% and yet only – so that's what, 29% of the employees of the, of the, mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah, and a very, very small percentage of companies are performing that well. Wow. So it's something that should be addressed, This is I a think. big deal. Yeah. This is probably yeah, why companies are focusing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually what happens is that when an employee feels disengaged, they don't feel kind of respected by yeah. their manager. That's a big one. Huge. Um, they don't feel like their employers really care about their well-being, which is a huge thing. Like did that guy ask if I was okay? Yeah. They don't, he they actually don't did. Care. Yeah. And I was. They don't care if you're stressed or don't have good health benefits. You know. Yeah. Um, Interesting thing, though, is millennials usually want kind of different benefits to, really? in order to feel engaged. These yeah. young punk millennials. Mm-hmm. What age are they? 21. 18 to 30 about. Okay, 18 to 30. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, the interesting thing is that 
the old employee engagement tactics aren't working anymore because millennials kind of want different things from their jobs. Interesting. Like flexible hours. That's a huge thing. Um, immediate feedback. It's probably born out of our Hold on. So millennials age. want immediate feedback. Yes, they want immediate feedback. That's cool. Yeah, they want um, personal not, development. You mean not feedback twice a year? No, no, they want, yeah, you mean the <laughs> annual performance review. Yeah. yeah. You remember that thing back in February you did? Oh, yeah. We didn't like it. We want, we're addressing it now, six months we'll later. We'll address it now. Yeah. But you've had the chance to repeat that mistake five times. That's messed up. Yeah. They want um, personal development opportunities, a really good work environment. Yep. They want so. rock and roll music. Yeah, obviously. I would, I would kill to be in that job. Just, the whole time, where they play, would that make always, you more engaged? I I don't know. Like I would today, just like you it asked, more. You wanted you wanted to rock up our little studio. here. I did, and you guys were talking about refinancing or whatever, and I was like, guys, I'm gonna fall asleep right standing yeah. here. I'm gonna do a standing <laughs> so unconscious. Were sleep. you less engaged because we didn't rock and roll it up? We kind of maybe did a little. I mean, I'm, I'm here now. I mean, I'm in, well, but I'm, you're also receiving a paycheck. We want you engaged. <laughs> so so the real test is if I signed out. And then we turned on the music. If I still stuck around for the show, that would mean I was engaged. Yeah. That wow. actually pretty that would be a very good estimation yeah. of my engagement. <laughs> because if you sign me out, chances are I'd just be like, Well, I'm out. I'm out, gotta go. I mean bye. there's also Jeez. regulation that if you're not signed in, you're not supposed, you're not to, supposed be to be in the building. The, yeah. But yeah. whatever, whatever. <laughs> Don't go there. Yeah. But so engagements it, it, do they sense it's different with millennials then? Because some of the yeah. older generations, they might just want a uh, consistent job. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, a guarantee, uh, nine to five hours. Ten or, years, nine to five yeah. hours, yeah. But millennials kind of have a different idea. They also really care about um, whether or not the company they work for gives back to the community. Oh, really? Like yeah. a little goodwill? Yeah, so they have to kind of feel like they're making a little impact in the See, world. So if I'm your CEO or your boss, I have to then figure out, do my people want goodwill or do they want more money or do they want more security or do they want? We just want to make sure that all the old desks and chairs get donated to Goodwill. Yeah. Do you remember the dot com bomb area era? So I used to do a lot of consulting back then, and I would I went to companies where they gave them everything: ping pong table rooms, breaks, all the soft drinks you could ever have, dogs. They could bring their dog. Wait, how that's is that awesome. a no? How is that a work perk? It's a work. I'm mean, going sitting there at work all day, two cubes over. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, because yeah, you yeah, would yeah. normally have to go home to feed your dog, so I've got to leave at seven because my dog. Need, I need to let my dog out. So, like, bring him. So they'd bring dogs. You'd walk through the place. It had a slight smell of a kennel. Oh no! But whatever. But this was a major name brand dot com, and it's um, tons of dogs. And then at lunch, the dog lady would come, and they'd she'd take everyone's dogs on walks. And it's like a little nursery school, which, by the way, they have a, a lot of business locations as well. Daycare. Yeah. Those are all perks. Yeah. Do we need to do that here? I mean, like I noticed <laughs> today I brought some Skittles in and you guys popped right up. Obviously. Sk- Skittles, yes. Dogs, no. Yeah, I think they'd be mad if we brought I don't, I don't want in. my workplace to smell like a kennel. You just have to have a well-trained dog. Picky, picky, picky. If they said, hey, y'all, yeah, bring can, your dogs you know, now, just... you'd all be bringing – oh, actually, no, we none of you have dogs. Oh, yeah. Bryce yeah. would go find a dog. <laughs> I would find dogs to bring to work. <laughs> different one so, every day. by the way, if Target had done that diseases. for you, if you had brought your dog to work, that would have been yeah, – you would have had a different kind of code. Maybe. You'd maybe. have to be picking up different stuff. Okay. We're talking uh, employee engagement, motivating bosses. Be thinking, thinking about it. We're going to bring on an executive – from a, a company that uh, – a really, I think, well-known company 
But uh, this this executive did something that a lot of executives just aren't doing right now. He broke the mold for how you uh, engage your employees. And uh, we're going to be talking to him. Tim Wall, who's the chief executive officer at Protection One, a security company um, that provides alarm monitoring. We're going to be talking to him. We're also going to come back with our own Bryce Tobin and uh, see what he's got to complain about when it comes to bosses. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Nano machines compete for mega honors at this year's Mobile Micro Robotics Challenge. You can't see them, so let us tell you about them. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Every year, the National Institute of Standards and Technology sponsors the biggest little contest anywhere. It's a challenge designed to drive engineers to create ever smaller yet more capable nano robots. Just how nano is nano? The robots have to be smaller than the width of a human hair. This year, the bots are racing in a figure-eight track in a space smaller than the period at the end of a sentence. Their second challenge is a variation of the old cup-stacking party game where the nanobots will assemble triangular pieces to tightly aligned stacks while racing the clock. The bots are driven by remote-controlled magnetic fields and viewed using electron microscopes. Last year, they played soccer with a bacteria-sized ball. NIST sponsors these challenges to inspire and excite inventors and engineers to try new ideas in nanorobotics. Eventually, some of these innovations could end up in tiny medical bots that will repair individual cells in your body, or micro-assemblers that walk around inside the tiniest computer chips to build circuits. Thinking small has a big future. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Take a look at the world through the eyes of folk artist Eric Dowdle. What do you think is an artist about that flag? It's the coolest flag. Now, it's the longest painting flag because they'll be like, oh, i got to do another minimum flag. They take a long time to paint, but it is a cool flag. Now, it's a cool. Well, explain well, why. Well, the colors are just, they're great. Black and yellow with red and white. I mean, that's dynamic. Tune in to Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about uh, motivating bosses, if you are one, and uh, some of the keys to creating some employee engagement. So if, you, you know, if you're a manager, if you're a leader in your organization, we think we've got some uh, great solutions and tools for you today. But before we do that, we've got to talk about, uh, with our own Bryce Tobin, uh, also known as the Bryce is Right. Right, Bryce? Right. Thank you. The rant. Uh, you like to do a little rant. And on today's rant, apparently it's a rant about being stuck between a rock and a hard place. Indeed. For those of you who know your Greek literature. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. 
When it comes to jobs, I'm noticing that we all seem to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. To make sense of this, let's go back to the source from the story. We're with Odysseus and his crew taking their dear sweet time, 10 years, 10 whole years, to return to Ithaca over in Greece from Troy, which everyone is pretty sure was in Turkey. Odysseus is the worst captain. I could get out and walk from Turkey to Greece in less time than it took him to sail there in a ship. But that's not the point. So along his path home, he has to pass by Scylla and Charybdis. Scylla is the rock they're talking about. Not sure why exactly she's the rock, but she's described as having four eyes, six long necks equipped with grisly heads. I'm not sure if each head had four eyes, but if we're going for menacing, let's just assume there is. Each head contained three rows of sharp teeth. Her body consisted of 12 tentacle-like legs and a cat's tail with four to six dog heads around her waist. Yeah, that doesn't sound at all like a rock, but she's bad news. She starts eating Odysseus's crew six at a time. Then there's Charybdis. She's the hard place. Not sure why she's the hard place, because she's a thing and not a place, nor is she particularly hard. She turns herself into a huge bladder and sucks in tons of water three times a day. In doing so, she creates this whirlpool right next to Scylla. Remember, Odysseus is the worst captain ever, so instead of finding an alternate route, he just goes in head first. Spoiler alert, he makes it out just fine. But this is one place where we get the phrase, between a rock and a hard place. There are those moments where you have to choose between two undesirable outcomes. Now, when it comes to jobs, it seems like we've all lost the art of motivation. I realize the purpose behind someone starting a business is because they want to make money and they think they can do it better when they are at the helm. Their purpose is not to provide jobs, but it's a lot easier to turn a profit when you have some help, so they end up becoming employers. When it comes to employing, I find that there's only two directions people tend to take, and they're all based around the paycheck. You can go for the bigger paycheck with benefits, but usually it's a job that won't add anything to your life. You'll be able to afford things, but the job takes up most of your days and you're either bored or you really dislike what you do all day, so once you're home, you're mentally exhausted and you dread waking up the next day. Or there's the flip side, it's a job you really like, but employers know it's a job you really like, so it doesn't have a very big paycheck or really any of the benefits that you're interested in. So you can enjoy your job, but you'll never move out of that apartment, and you can't really go to the dentist or the doctor at all, which that eventually takes its toll on your quality of life. Sort of like Odysseus never looking for a less awful way to Ithaca, to motivate employees, bosses seem to always default to the paycheck. Increase it for jobs they don't want, bring it down for jobs everyone's after. But keep in mind, this isn't the wrong way to motivate. Odysseus still got home to Ithaca, just in time to murder all the guys who were trying to date his wife. Okay, so the analogy falls flat at that point in the story. But what I'm trying to say is, there has got to be another way to be a motivating boss. Much like those boxes at the store that have both soft taco shells and hard taco shells, is there some way we can combine both sides of the argument? Because we already know that a paycheck does not cut it for motivation. Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Maybe the answer is tacos. Hey, why not both? Or taco shells. Right. Uh, carrot and the stick. That's how you do it. Yes, but what is that carrot? Because everyone says the carrot. Or Cheesecake. Uh, there you go. Cheesecake. Cheesecake and the stick. I can get behind that. Because okay? who doesn't like cheesecake? Like, carrots are f- cool. Yeah. Uh, but if you hung a carrot in front of me, I probably wouldn't go after. But if you <laughs> some cheesecake. That's the key. In business. Yeah. Rough. Hey, I just solved your taco shell question. What? Cheesecake? Soft or hard shell. You put beans on the soft shell and then put the hard shell inside. I think Taco Bell does that. And then you have – anyway. Now, I don't know if that's it's an a, analogy. It's a something. Anything. So what you're saying is take a job, get the big paycheck and all of the benefits. With half all, the work. And half the work. Yeah. And then just – there you go. Exactly that. Yeah. I don't think that's how it works either. I would motivate me. I'd take that job. But you're on to something here because maybe what we're losing – so we send all of these leaders – away to schools where they learn about, you know, 
bottom line, their accounting practices, well, the, the, MBAs. The simple way is if you're making more money than you're spending, you're you're doing good. We're doing great. The yeah. problem is it's all about people. Eventually. And so then they just kind of turn to their HR representative, who's the one that went to school for the people. And I guess I guess most executives just assume they understand the people. But it seems like the carrot and the stick, it's about the people. Hmm? And and they got to replace that carrot with some cheesecake. They keep putting carrots yeah, out there. I think that's a great point. And we've moved on to cheesecakes. Which, and I, I started saying carrot cake. But no. I, but I don't no. like carrot cake. No. But cheesecake, boom. Hmm. Yeah, no, carrot cake is not the way to go. I think the metaphor fell apart a little bit with the cake metaphor. No, it still works. still works. But uh, you may be onto something. I don't – the Greek mythology you haven't brought up, I don't think, ever. I don't think so. So I appreciate that. No problem. Let's see how uh, our executive handles all this. We're going to come back, but we're bringing on Tim Wall, who's the chief executive officer at Protection One. That is a security alarm monitoring company. He's been doing this for 29 years. He's worked his way up the ladder. He's learned some things about motivating his people. He's even trying something uh, as far as motivating them with some benefits that uh, that might be even today considered outrageous. We're going to come back talking to Tim Wall at Protection One. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Get recharged at BYU Education Week. It is the best decision I make coming back year after year. I will not be the same. Education Week classes run from August 19th to the 23rd. To register, visit us online at educationweek.byu.edu. I would encourage everybody to come, and you'll not regret it. BYU Education Week, a thousand ways to renew, refresh, recharge. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. The Justice Department and other U.S. authorities are working to stop U.S. Airways and other and American Airlines from combining to create the largest airline in the world. Justice Department officials say the merger will leave consumers facing higher prices and less service. Two friends of the accused Boston bomber who have been charged with obstruction of justice pled not guilty in a brief court appearance today. Police say the two 19-year-olds tried to destroy personal items belonging to the bombing suspect. Civil rights groups are suing the state of North Carolina after Governor Pat McCrory signed a new voter ID law into effect last night. Opponents say the law will unnecessarily make it harder for minority groups and the elderly to vote because they are less likely to have photo ID. A Florida timeshare resort where a sinkhole devoured a building late Sunday night is urging scheduled guests to, quote, come on down. The resort's general manager says testing of the now 100-foot-wide sinkhole and the surrounding area will be complete by tomorrow. The 16 co-workers from New Jersey who will be splitting a third of the $448 million Powerball jackpot made their public debut today. At least one of the winners will use the money to replace the home she lost to Hurricane Sandy. In world news, 26 Palestinian protesters were released today, a month after Israeli leaders vowed to release a larger group. The move is part of an effort to ease tensions between Israel and the Palestinians ahead of planned reboot of peace talks. A New York Times article published today reveals the Syrian rebel forces are getting their weapons from an unlikely source, Sudan. Sudan has close ties with Iran, a nation which strongly supports Syrian President Bashir Assad, but Western officials and Sudanese rebels have both confirmed the claims. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about uh, leadership in a very broad sense, but very specifically motivating your employees if you're the boss. And remember, you're, you could be a manager, and really when it comes to being the manager, you're the boss. You're going to have a responsibility in your company to motivate others. So we went looking for somebody that we thought was a fairly inspirational manager or boss. We found one in a man named Tim Wall. He is the chief executive officer at Protection One. Protection One is a security alarm uh, company, and um, he has spent more than 29 years in the security alarm monitoring industry. Tim has uh, held nearly every position from service technician to call center operator, general manager to COO, CEO. He's led some of the largest security companies in the world, such as Security Link, Tyco, ADT, Stanley Security Solutions. In fact, MIT uh, wrote up a case study um, that uh, he was involved in called Working Smarter, The Digital Economy is All About Your People. And uh, the most amazing thing, I think, about Tim's company is he he pushes through a lot of these door-to-door salespeople that come in every summer and go out around the country and do sales. You know, so it'd be easy to kind of just you know, push them through and just get a new batch every year. But he's found a way to try to motivate them their way. Tim, welcome to the program. Matt, it's great to be with you today. Thank you very much. You bet. It is so good to have you on the show. Now, uh, tell us what you're doing. I heard, because here we sit at a time when healthcare costs have kind of been altering how a lot of businesses are doing business. And it seems like you're kind of going against the grain, the grain here. You've done something with your company and your health care benefits. Tell us what you're trying to do and why you're doing it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, we've looked at that uh, model that's been out there in Utah for several years now and uh, very impressed with the talent levels of a lot of the leadership teams out there and uh, bringing kids out of college, giving them a chance to get a first job. And, and what we've seen is many of them have, have stayed on and they've got four, five, six, ten, eleven years of experience out there. Uh, and what we've seen is the, the models kind of kept it as though they're all just entry-level guys and yeah. uh, gals. And uh, so what we've uh, done is we've taken an approach that says, you know what, I think we can uh, uh, really offer some career opportunities for these folks. Um, you know, we do have a national footprint with 74 branch offices across the country. Uh, we, we'd love to get these uh, you know, young people a chance to get in the towns where they want to work in or mm-hmm. where their family want to get back to. Uh, but whether they want to uh, stay where they're at or move, it doesn't really matter. One of the things that uh, we notice is uh, the teams were treating them as 1099s and not bringing them into uh, right, you know, actually contract workers. Firm. Yeah, that, That's exactly right, just leaving them out there and paying them kind of on a transactional basis. If they sold something, they got paid. Left, uh, in my opinion, leaves the person really not too vested in the outcome of the uh, the customer and the company, and of course, there's not a lot of risk, you know, from the company's perspective. We're leaving them as 1099. So, what we've introduced with, uh, you know, Steve uh, Zoman and Jared Chapel out there, is to bring the folks all into uh, our actual employees and put them on our healthcare benefit mm. packages. You're going to give. So, at a time of, you know, a stage in uh, business life where they're all cutting back healthcare benefits, you've decided as a means to kind of get more engagement, get more buy-in, you've decided to give them away. I mean, give more benefits to these people. We want to include that as, as part of being uh, with Protection One, as well as 
you know, life insurance, disability benefits, 401k matching from the company, as well as health care, dental, vision, hmm. um, et cetera. What are you doing, Tim? <laughs> Do you? I mean, it's it's because it really is. There's so many people that are running as far away as they can from that. But I guess is this part of your valuing um, kind of your whole employee? You don't want to just value their back as they go work. You want to value their whole life, their family, their work. Is that your is that your goal? Uh, I, I want them to feel like they're part of a, a team and part of a family, and we're a large company, but we're still small enough that uh, I, I think we can make it uh, feel family. I grew up in a family business. Um, I think right now in today's economy, people are uh, you know looking to be reached out to a little bit. I think they want to be a, a member of an organization, and you know uh, what people do for a living is important to them. Um, and, and we'd love to provide some stability. Uh, for these folks and, and give them a chance to, to grow as far as they want to with us. Well, you're probably going to make a lot of their spouses very happy, and they're probably very loyal now. So one of the things we've been kind of talking about on the show is the power of a boss to um, to help us and, and to motivate us. And, and I, I know one of the things that you're really big on is the idea of balancing work and family. How how you know what's your philosophy on that? How do you how do you go about it? Because again, as a business person, you still got to get your stuff done. You got to get the widgets sold, or in your case, the alarm monitoring being done. But how do you balance work and family? Yeah, probably the hardest thing uh, there is to do, especially if you're uh, depending on where you are in your career, and if you're trying to get ahead, you're trying to get to that next level. You want to take on more projects. You want to immerse yourself with it. Um, but, but we would just, you know, try and focus and, and get the, the individual to understand, hey, what, what are all their priorities in life? And, and, you know, kind of come in with a plan for the week, not just for what they're doing at work, but what do they want to get done if they're, a, you know, son or daughter, a dad, a spouse? What, what are your goals for that week? And, uh, you know, set yourself up with a plan so you, you know what you're trying to get done. I would tell people, hey, at work, it's easy just to get caught up in going there and spending 8, 10, 12 hours and never really accomplishing a lot. Because, you know, the work just comes to you. That's why you're, you're employed. But what are you actually trying to get done? And when you're trying to get uh, one of the tips I would use for years is, listen, you know, the work can overwhelm you. Uh, don't be afraid to get in 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning once a week or, or come in, uh, you know, 5, 30, 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning, put in a good four or five hours of quiet time when you're the only one there, mm-hmm. and kind of get yourself back. Don't, don't, be, don't be running from behind yeah. if you can. So your advice, um, and you actually must, do you see this, that when you have an employee that comes to you that knows what their priorities are, knows where they want to be with their family, knows where they want to even be financially, you see that as a huge advantage as a CEO. So this isn't running against the company for them to have family values. You're saying this actually makes them better in the company if they come with their priorities straight. Oh, without question, and uh, just like you said, where where the wives would be happy to some of the spouses, you know, getting benefits and life insurance. You know, I tell a person, hey, listen, if you need to be, you know, at your kid's game at four o'clock, don't worry about it. Catch the game at four o'clock. You can always come back at six fifteen. You know, the game will be over in an hour. Uh, you know, knock out what you have to get done, but don't miss what's important to you. Mm. You can always, you know, we're flexible enough, and, and the work is always there that you can find a way to get both done. But you have to know what you want to get done for the week. Yeah. So you you like this idea of planning ahead, kind of having a weekly goal or weekly objective, and I guess you're saying personally and professionally, and uh, get in and make it happen. 
without question. You've got to, you know, if, if it's my anniversary on Tuesday night, I know that's a priority for me this week. That's great. Uh, you know, if I've got a, a deadline on a, a presentation on Thursday, I know that's a priority for me this week. So just, you know, go into, you know, we coach people all the time. Have a plan. Take a few minutes and think through what you got to get done both on the personal side and the business side because it is very hard to be balanced. And this week I might be much more balanced to work. Next week I might be more balanced with some family items. But by taking a good look at it each week, I know I'm at least looking at what my priorities should be. Yeah, that's that's a powerful idea to think of balance not as something that we do daily, but almost you're saying weekly. You know, you can be on and off on any given day, maybe pro-business one day, pro-family one day. But in the end, if you have the plan and you're making sure you're you're doing it, in the end, you will be balanced. Exactly. As long as you take a look at, at both aspects of your life and make sure you're not letting one suffer you know, to take advantage of the other one. It and seems like that's where, where fall out of favor. It seems like that's where we end up falling apart is we, you know, we might end up letting our job lead us and so we don't take care of ourselves. Without question, or you decide that I'm going to be a better dad, so I'm going to get home every night at five o'clock. Yeah, and 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 that doesn't work either. At work if if work's got a you know push and you've got something you've got to get done and you're working with a team and you're the guy cutting out every night at five, so you've got to be able to kind of balance it in. But at the same time, when something's important to me, my kids' first ball game, uh, you know, my mother-in-law is coming to dinner tomorrow. I mean, don't disappoint those that are counting on you in your personal life either. What do you do? Because I just look at a lot of. Uh, these younger employees that um, that never have maybe and maybe they're just barely hitting the stages of life where the kids are coming. How how do you actually know how to do this? I mean, it's not like most people have a great role model for how to balance work and family. Um, we we would coach the the younger folks up. Find a mentor. Find someone you know. Once you've been doing this, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years. Elderly people are more than happy to kind of take you under their wing, but you got to ask for a little bit of that coaching. Sometimes the uh, execs aren't as um, uh, forthcoming as they should be to kind of mentor along a younger person. If a younger person just puts their hand up and, and you know meets somebody, says, "Listen, love to you know pick your brain for twenty minutes on a topic." Yeah, uh, we would encourage the young people to do that because you know you might be recently married, you're still trying to get adjusted to that. You might be a first baby in the house or an additional baby in the house. You might have an older parent coming to live with you. I mean, life brings a lot of things to you to oh, yeah. deal with. And you might be going to school. You might be – I mean, there's a lot, especially at these younger stages. So you're saying get a mentor, get somebody that's been through it. And, I mean, I'd even get someone that's been through it successfully and oh. and uh, just pick their brain. Without, without question. Have somebody you can feel like you can talk to. Because don't forget the, the big one out there, which is financial pressures yeah. for a young couple. And, oh. and that can become overwhelming for a, a young couple. It's so true. It's uh, it's interesting that, you know, talking to a CEO with so many 70-something locations across the country with Protection One, um, it's interesting that as the CEO, this is what you're thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you obviously think about, you know, all the financials of the company, the tax burdens, all of these things. But what you're really – what I guess you know is it's it's your people. It's your people – being able to take care of themselves, learning to balance work and family. It's probably that's where you do have the problems or when you have the people in your organization that can't perform that balance, that don't get the balance right or that burn themselves out. And, and, and you know, people who are doing things because, you know, their conscience is guiding them to do it are going to do great things for a company Yeah. Uh, versus trying to point people to do a certain things or tell them to do a certain thing or line them all up. We'll all do this today. It's, you know, you're trying to impress upon, hey, I, I need you to do the right things and you're, 
you know, that your conscience guides you to do for our customers and yeah. for your fellow employees out there. Yeah, it seems um, it seems like a cleaner approach to life. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Tim Wall, CEO of Protection One, which is a security alarm monitoring company, or security uh, company, sales company, and alarm monitoring company. You really got to love um, a CEO that that cares down to that personal level of uh, of his employees. I mean, they're his family, and he wants these people. Uh, he wants all of us to, to learn from some of the thing, lessons he's had. We're going to come back, and uh, after this break, we're going to talk about some of his uh, principles he uses to motivate his employees. So if you've ever had a hard time motivating somebody, sit tight. We'll be right back with Tim Wall, uh, CEO at Protection One. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Could your city's next power plant be located 200 miles overhead? A new design idea might make it possible. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Some ideas for space-based solar power satellites have been around for decades, but never got off the ground because of engineering limitations. While separate elements of such a system have been tested over the years, the overall designs were never practical to afford. But for the next year, a program sponsored by NASA's Office of the Chief Technologist will do a deep study on a new way to put the pieces together that might finally pave the way to this futuristic idea. The power satellite, called SPS-Alpha, mimics how biological organisms grow and operate. By building up small modules that are easy to mass-produce and launch, then connecting these cells up together in orbit over time, a large and efficient solar power platform can be assembled that's cost-effective. The special sunlight-concentrating design looks much more organic and flower-like than anything in space today. NASA thinks this biomimetic design could be a winner. The NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts Program funds research on breakthrough ideas like the SPS Alpha to help push American space technology to the next level. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Thank you for visiting the Practically Perfect Nanny Service. I understand you have some very special qualifications for your new nanny. Yes, we do. First of all, she must have a cheery disposition, rosy cheeks, and no warts. She must be one who takes us on outings, gives us treats, sings songs, and of course, brings sweets. I see. Why would anyone accept this position? We will never give her cause to hate us. We won't hide her spectacles so she can't see. And we'll never put toads in her bed or pepper in her teeth. I have the perfect nanny for you. She'll be arriving by umbrella on the East Wind every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Tuacan Amphitheater in southern Utah. You haven't seen Disney's Mary Poppins until you've seen it with a spoonful of Tuacan magic? Purchase tickets online at tuacan.org or call 855-TUACON. Expect the unforgettable. Only two of them. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about uh, your motivating and how to motivate your employees and employee engagement, how you keep uh, keep your people around you engaged and actively involved in their day-to-day work life. It's Sometimes it's just easy to tune out 
And the research, again, that we talked about earlier shows that those that have engaged employees that are, you know, actually present and enjoy being at work um, have about a 200 percent increase in their productivity. They also it's only about 30 percent of the company of the employees uh, inside of your corporation are probably would consider themselves engaged. Um, so it's not a lot of people, and that's what our executive, t- Tim Wall, is working on. Tim is the CEO, uh, executive officer at Protection One. He's been in the security alarm monitoring, monitoring business for 29 years. He's kind of worked his way through it, served in pretty much every position there. And we've asked him to be on the show today because he's he's A, he's successful, but B, he understands the value of um, of the people. And the the role that the people play in our lives, as especially as far as um, of of, have, of being successful in our organizations. So we so appreciate you, Tim. Thanks for joining us again. It's great to be with you. I appreciate it, man. You bet. Now, what are some things you would suggest? Like, what are some of the keys you found to keep your employees motivated and to keep them engaged? Um, the bar is set pretty low for. Uh... For CEOs out there, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, uh, you know, to, to, to be genuine with the team, to, to know and have an active interest in their job goes a long way. Obviously, you know, knowing what they do and being able to talk about it, um, you know, certainly helps. But before I even go to motivate, I tell you, just do the first thing, which is don't, don't demotivate them. Yeah, get yeah. out of the way. I tell you what. Yeah, you know, you send them a gazillion emails, you put them on a bunch of conference calls, you have them attend meetings they have no interest in being at. Uh, if you ask people, hey, what can I take out of your job to make it you know, better for you, more efficient, they'll tell you. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of start with that where you're not demotivating them. And as you get toward, hey, how do I, I uh, get them to really want to be engaged with the company and the success of our, our firm, you know, how will we do that? And, uh, you know, for me, again, I think it's, it's getting to know the people on a personal basis. Yeah, getting uh, to know their names. Know their names, their family, their story, where they're trying to go. We have so many young people that are, have interesting, you know, backgrounds you know, have hopes and dreams that, you know, necessarily where they're working today isn't it, you know, but they're on their way to something more. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, for, for a CEO, for me, just to send a nice follow-up saying, I met you and I understand you have, you know, interest in hiking and you want to get over to, uh, you know, a, a particular vacation spot, it goes a long way to them, you know, that you're listening when they're speaking to you. Yeah. Um, and, and again, for us, you know, getting the right leadership team that's able to drive accountability to the folks is also a, a real positive force. And, and that ability for me and you to sit down and have a conversation and me to be able to articulate the goals of what we're trying to get you to do, what's going well, and what you could do better at. Mm-hmm. And then over time, if we're sitting down every month, because again, I'm against that annual performance review. I like right. to, you know, hey, let's sit down every week or minimally every month and talk about what's going on. And when we talk about it, your goal should be so clear to you that you and I ought to be able to have a 15 minute conversation and you the employee carry the dialogue for 80% of it. Right. When yeah. the manager is doing the one talking, you did this, Matt, you did this, Matt, yeah. you did more of this, you're not having a good engagement. If I explain the goals and you understand what your role with the company is and what's important to deliver that for us, great. Then you come in every month or every week and we sit down and we talk about it and you share with me, hey, what are you proud of? What are you working on? And what can I help you do a little better on? Well, and, and what's and amazing, start- that seems like you're putting the onus on me. So now it's kind of mine to create. You've given me the guideline as the leader. You've given me the end in mind that we're looking for. And now it's up to me to kind of build the bridge to it. That way I'm now engaged. 
Oh, and it's it's it, you know, and that's how you create accountability. Get the, get the person to say, you know, this is what I'm trying to get done. And 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 then for me personally, what I'm trying to do is engage with with folks on a personal level. So I'm Tim, not the CEO. But, yeah. You know, hey, I like this guy, and and what's worked really well for for me, uh, especially in this last year, is it's kind of uh, you know talking health. Uh, I'm always working on it. I, we call it the temple. Are you working on the temple? Um, your earlier segment on you know work balance, I always tell people, hey, how how's your fitness level? Are you getting outside? Are you having a chance to reduce that stress a little? And I like sharing my stories. Mm. Hey, fellas, bad night for the temple. Engaged in the pizza, and I had the birthday cake. <laughs> and you send a little note like that out to you know 50 year frontline guys. They're all sending one back. I did too. Or you get you know 30 of them back. No, I stayed strong last night. That's cool. Uh, and we do kind of, you know, hey, what, what are you doing for mind, body, and spirit? And it's something that I can share what I'm doing personally in my life, that I see have the same struggles they do, you know, and, yeah. and my position doesn't change those problems for me. Well, right? and I, I just imagine I've been in a ton of, you know, higher work, hierarchical corporations, and to know that I can talk to the CEO and to know that I, that the CEO knows me and knows of my kids and knows of my hobbies and my – I mean – that's got to open up some serious trust. That's got to open up some serious even feedback loops that you must be getting information that you might not normally get as a CEO. It gives you just great access to what we're doing that's preventing them from doing better for our customers. That's our common true north. What can we do to deliver better service? And, and you want them to know you just as a person that they can send it to you. And if I know that you're you know, a good racquetball player and you're a lefty and you know, you got a new pair of goggles and you know, you've been out with a bad foot and I say, hey, glad to hear you're back on it, you're just creating that personal bond. Because, oh, yeah. Again, for me, we've got 800 technicians and, and yeah, I'm trying to get all of them to get to the job site every morning at 8 o'clock <laughs> because why? The customers want us there specifically at 8 o'clock to get their day started. Right. Now, I can't beat them over the head to get there. I, I go out there and I go through the town halls. I'm like, look, guys, here's the deal. If you're in the guy's driveway at 758 when he looks out and sees the P1 van, he's going to be feeling pretty good about his game. If he looks out at 8 o'clock, he doesn't see it. He's already getting that little nervousness. Yeah. 801, 802, he's starting to not believe we're going to be there. By 5 after 8, he's calling our company, creating a phone call we don't need to take. Dispatcher's going to call. She's going to call you on your cell. You're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to take a call while you're driving or are you going to pull over? You're going to say, look, I'm almost there. You're going to roll up into the guy's driveway at 10 after 8. Yeah, a lot of guys would say no big deal, but if that happens eight hundred more, eight hundred times out of eight hundred in the morning, that's eight hundred <laughs> customers disappointed in me. Right, and I, another I problem. To, yeah, that then there's another system we have to fix. Right, and I want the guys just to understand. Listen, I, I you know what? I'm part of P1. I own that issue. Yeah, I'm going to get there at eight. Why? Because my conscience says, hey, that, that's what that's what I need to do to keep our customers happy. And if I can relate to them as people, then you know th- that message gets across much better with them. I love it. It it also gives you power, Tim. It gives you power to push back on them, doesn't it? Like, I mean, if you're their friend and you know them better, you can can ask more. You can push more. You can shoot straight with them versus if we're just – if we're too afraid to be real with with our employees, then we maybe end up not saying what needs to be said or we say stuff just thinking that we'll just get a new one, get a new person to fill that spot. Well, you are hitting it right on the head, Matt. I mean, people want you to be straight up with them. People want you to give them the good and the bad. They want you to hold them accountable. Listen, if he got there at 10 after 8, I don't care how well I know him. I'm like, you know, Matt, what happened on Wednesday? Yeah. Listen, you know, if that ha- you know, if 10% of my guys do that, that's 80 disappointed customers. I'm like, that'll kill us. Yeah. And, you know, he'll understand, hey, that's on me, boss. Won't happen again. I'm like, great. 
But you're exactly right. I mean, you know, hold them accountable and talk to them just like you'd want to be talked to by anyone else. I mean, you know, tell them the good. Tell them what we're working on. And, you know, recognize the heck out of them when they're doing good. Don't be, don't be shy to, you know, call them out, and, you know, whether it's on a, a group conference call, whether it's a note to the house, uh, or whether it's just a simple, you know, call to their cell. Saying, hey, you killed it for us yesterday. I just appreciate what, what, you, you know, what you're doing yeah. for us. I mean, what, you know what? I, it's funny. I left a company and didn't get that call from my CEO until I was leaving. And the minute I was leaving, I got basically the please don't kind of call and uh, being told how important I was to the company. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, you know what? I bet if I had received this call three months ago, I never would have left. But they they didn't know. They just didn't know me. They didn't seem to get it. You know, you, I, I count on our senior leaders out there. Hey, set, set me up. It's like hockey. You give me, you, you know, I'll score the goal. You give me the assist. If, if all my senior leaders are telling me good things that are happening with their guys, and I'm calling out to those folks, yeah, Betsy, I just wanted to let you know I understood what you did in the center the other night. It was outstanding. I just want you to know how much I appreciate what you're doing. Hey, I didn't know all those little transactions, but my team set me up to know them. Right. And you, know, you have to create a culture that says, hey, as leaders, it's your job to make sure your folks who are doing stuff are being recognized. Because that CEO should be calling you while you're doing good. It's a mess. You are killing it for us. But I just wanted to know how much we appreciate having you on our team. That's huge. I mean, and that's not, when you think about it, that's not that hard to do. That's just, that's communicating. That's being real. That's breaking the personal barrier. Um, if you had to sum it up, we've got about a minute left. If you had to sum it up, Tim, what um, what is the number one thing you've learned as a CEO about effective about building an effective organization? I, w- I would say be genuine. Don't 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 say one thing to one group of people and another to another group. Don't don't change your message for your audience. Um, you know, be true to what your goals are. You know, have a have a vision, and uh, you know, stay with it. And if you are going to, uh, you know, adjust course at all, share that news with people. But uh, I, I would tell you, be genuine and uh, be open with your team. Huge. Well, we appreciate interviewing you. I mean, you can see Tim why you were written up in the case study by MIT about working smarter. The digital economy is all about your people. You can uh, you can tell you care about your people there at Protection One. Well, they, they they make every you know it's the people you're spending all that time with. So so not to care about them doesn't make any sense. They're great folks. That's right. And we're fortunate to be partnered with them. You are Tim. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, all you listeners, get out there. Be watching for the P1 trucks at eight o'clock coming down your actually seven fifty seven. They'll be rolling down your streets to get that first call. Really appreciate Tim Wall. Uh, a great example, I think, of just not only great uh, business sense, but a great heart. We're going to take a break, come back, and uh, dig a little deeper. We're going to go into maybe a little, uh, I don't know, a little of the literature to see what good and effective, healthy leadership looks like. Uh, Maybe a little bit from Scrooge. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. On Highway 89, listen to live music as well as interviews with the artists. I read that that song that you just sang kind of came to you all at once. Yeah, it did. I think songwriting is a mysterious business. Highway 89 on BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. 
The Justice Department and other U.S. authorities are working to stop U.S. airways and American airlines from combining to create the largest airline in the world. Justice Department officials say the merger will leave consumers facing higher prices and less service. Civil rights groups are suing the state of North Carolina after Governor Pat McCrory signed a new voter ID law into effect last night. Opponents of the law say it unnecessarily makes it harder for minority groups and the elderly to vote because they are less likely to have photo ID. A student at an Ohio gun safety class was shot in the arm last weekend by a gun held by the class's instructor. Police are describing the incident as an accident. Despite a 100-foot-wide sinkhole devouring a resort building over the weekend, the general manager of a timeshare in Florida is urging patrons with plans to stay at the resort soon to come on down. Surveillance and testing on the sinkhole and the surrounding area is expected to finish up tomorrow. The 16 co-workers from New Jersey who will be splitting a third of the $448 million Powerball jackpot made their public debut today. At least one of the winners will use the money to replace the home she lost in Hurricane Sandy. In world news, 26 Palestinian prisoners were released today, a month after Israeli leaders vowed to release a larger group. The move is part of an effort to ease tensions between Israel and the Palestinians ahead of planned reboot of peace talks. A New York Times article published today reveals the Syrian rebel forces are getting their weapons from an unlikely source, Sudan. Sudan has close ties with Iran, a nation which strongly supports the Syrian regime and President Bashir Assad. But Western officials and Sudanese rebels have both confirmed the claims. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about uh, a motivating boss. Being a motivating boss, are you a motivating boss? Think about that. If I came into your organization, sat everybody down, and had them write down somebody that has been a really positive role model or motivator for them, would you make the list? Somebody from the company, um, would you make their list? I always, when I go do speeches with corporations, I always ask that question. Think of, I always say, think of somebody that really makes it difficult to do your job. And then um, everyone just laughs. Ha ha, okay, they write a bunch of names down. Um, and then I always ask, do you wonder if any of you are on the list for anyone in this room right now? And they're always, uh, then they get real quiet. No one's laughing anymore. Um, it's the funny thing about organizations, and this is sad because I just got a doctorate in it, but I didn't know until uh, recently. Um, there's no such thing as organizational behavior. Hmm. Wish I had known because I got a degree in organizational behavior. Uh, apparently, organizations don't behave. People do. And so when it comes down to working in business, you have to apparently deal with some people. So we went back to the archives. I did an interview about a year ago with a friend of mine named Bill Bennett. Bill Bennett worked with me at an organization called Franklin Covey many moons ago. But Bill was like, I think, the president then. Um, and he he's an author, and he wrote a book. He's written two now, The Christmas Gift which is about how we judge people, and another book called Jacob T. Marley. Now, you'll remember that Jacob Marley was Scrooge's business partner, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, he was he messed over Jacob Marley. And uh, Jacob, um, was Jacob the, we'll see. 
I don't want to steal the thunder from Bill Bennett, but listen to this story of how Bill describes uh, this his book, Jacob T. Marley, and see if you can't pick out some of the principles and uh, of what makes you know a healthy boss. Well, you know, as as you probably most people know from Christmas Carol, which begins yeah. Marley was dead to begin with. Marley was this uh, uh, unscrupulous business person, as Scrooge was right. his partner. He uh, is filled with regret, and somehow, in in means we don't know from Christmas Carol, he's able to come back. He's able to arrange the visits of these three ghosts for Scrooge, and he's got this tremendous remorse and virtually begs him to change his life before like, it's seriously, too late. Ebenezer, listen to me. Right, I've died. Now it's interesting. It doesn't seem like I didn't remember Marley. Jacob Marley's the one that put these three guys together. These three visitors. Mm-hmm. But he did. Yeah, he he uh, he was the intermediary, yeah. or the uh, union arbitrator, or whatever it took. Organizer, to yeah, isn't that great? And then, but he had regret. So this is this is kind of why I wanted to do the show. So I'm sitting here, think of your book. How many people out there are in a business that's falling apart anyway, struggling with the economy? There's already regret. They're already being a Scrooge, mm-hmm. and they don't get the benefit of Jacob Marley's visit. Yeah, exactly, and. Uh, you know, in the book, the point was how come he didn't get it? He didn't. Earlier. How come he didn't get a chance? Um, and the message of Christmas Carol, and the message that I think we can take to to business today is, hey, it's not too late. Yeah. You know, and, and we can make a difference. We can we can take a, a make a pivot point on character. Yeah. And it can make a difference immediately. Well, that's what's neat about it is. It's it's not like it, it doesn't even like take forever to get it running. If you just get a little character, more character than you had yesterday. It, we're going to start creating some momentum. Correct, and you know, human beings as a as a whole are are pretty remarkably forgiving people. Yeah, and when they see someone who's perhaps not been the model of ethics and character turn and attempt to move sincerely in the right direction, in most cases, it's remarkable how willing people are yeah. to embrace that. Yeah, we'll let it go. We're forgiving people. Yeah. Just don't quit messing my life up, basically. And so as people are sitting out there driving in their car, some of them – just be asking yourself this. What's it like to be your employee? What's it like to have you as the boss? Oh, it's such a relief. I'm such a great guy. (laughs) I have the best parties every Christmas. No, what is it really like to have to deal with you? And we're going to get into some of the things. What were some of the lessons that you kind of – that you write about in your book? What was it that – what was it? You had to kind of, you know, stretch because you didn't have some of the data of what exactly what Jacob Marley was thinking. Right. So what what did you, you – know, you're a business exec and you've been in at the highest levels and you know the pressure. We got to produce. We got to get results. We can we got to get them sometimes at the expense of even our people is what people think. How what, – what have, what have you seen and what did you bring out in the Jacob Marley book? Well, I think what you would find coming out is a lesson that that I felt I learned in my years of working, which is the supreme lesson, which is that people matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned this, Matt, in the opening of the show. A business is nothing but people. That's right. Every aspect of it, every every level of performance, every problem, it's all about the people. And any leader that thinks that somehow the people are an ancillary aspect of their business is going to create a miserable work environment. That's right. Well, in fact, it's interesting, even in the presidential election, you're seeing this come up. Mm-hmm. You're seeing people nitpick Bain, 
You're seeing them nitpick Solyndra, all these business decisions, cabinet members. I mean, it's these are all people. These aren't just political positions. All of these are just humans behaving. And a human group of humans behaving creates kind of organizational behaving. Right. And those that's so when I'm mad at when I'm mad at a, a restaurant, I'm not mad at Dave Thomas who owns Wendy's. I'm mad at whoever's behind the counter that just shortchanged me. Right. And um, I think that uh, one of the things that's key for us to understand, too, and this applies to personal relationships as well as right. business, is that we are wired to respond better in a high-trust, high-ethics environment. Yeah. We bring our best to the party. When we're in an environment of fear and trepidation, we don't. We've got that old part of our brain, the fight, flight, fight or flight that's right. kicking in and, and fighting or flighting, if yeah. you say it, aren't generally the solutions to any no, of our problems. They're not. What do you see, Bill, when you see – like if you're going to define character, how do you define it as a businessman who has to get results and as somebody who needs to do it with people, what does character look like in business? Well – you know, we've had that discussion many times over the years in our team meetings, and what I always came back to is very simply, it's the right thing. It's yeah. doing the right thing, and it is not the right thing for the bottom line, although right. oftentimes it helps the bottom line, but oftentimes character does not. Character is, sometimes has a negative impact to the bottom line, yeah. but for somebody who's driven and committed to a high-value um, life – it it doesn't matter. Character right. is, is what is the right thing. And, and so many log jams have been broken when we've sat in a meeting and somebody said, wait a minute, just what is the right thing to do? That's such a great question. And most of us intuitively go right to the answer. Isn't that interesting? Um, because it's, it's sometimes it's not what we're thinking. It's, right. and, and so many times, yeah, this is antithetical. It's kind of – it's the opposite of what you think you would need to do. If You, you, you need to get the bottom line. Mm-hmm. You need to make the money. Except without your people, mm-hmm. or sometimes it just takes you a little more time to do it with character, but it allows you to go a lot longer term. Sure, sure. I just had a wonderful experience. I just came back from a trip to New York, and just with a rental car company where there was a policy that's probably a very sensible policy, yeah, but would, was causing a wrong thing to happen with regard to my rental. And I had this wonderful agent when I returned the car, who first told me the way it was going to be, and then he stopped and he said, "You know what?" That just isn't right. Just give me a second. And I waited for about 30 seconds, and he came back, and he said, we took care of it. And I yeah. – they own me. Yeah, I you're mean, going I mean, I time. trust this organization, yeah. I, and probably more so than they maybe earned in that one moment. That's right. But again, it's an example of how willing we are to get behind somebody yeah. who, who tries to earn our trust. Well, and then how quickly we are willing to just get rid of someone that doesn't. Right. That's what, and those things stay, don't they? These bad moments. Everyone out there is list, that's listening. They've had a bad moment, mm-hmm. and they've had a bad moment with a company, and they will never go back to that company ever again. Right. Well, you think about the number of very public, and unfortunately, we have so many of them. Very public examples of, yeah. of problems, and how incensed we are when we see somebody on the stand who shows no remorse. That's right. And and when we when we hear that remorse, we maybe still hate the situation, but we're willing to forgive. But when we sense no remorse, that's when we just say, never, that's never right. again do I, I trust that individual or that organization. And the customer service idea, I mean, it, it, it just oozes down, doesn't it? You can just see what the culture is just by watching how people – how they're empowered or they're not, mm-hmm. who has the power to make decisions. I mean, the idea that you 
I mean, we have this huge advantage technologically, but we have people that still can't make decisions. So, right. I mean, where you should be able to get a hold of anybody in a minute, mm-hmm. we still have people that can't, they, and they're not even empowered to make some of the decisions like your car person did. Right. You know, it was interesting because with the car person, I said, um, wow, I didn't realize uh, you had a policy that allow you to make a decision like that. And he's, his answer was, I don't know that we do. And uh, Honestly, that might be the best policy. Yeah. And so, um, yes, you're right. Um, that, that, that has a huge trickle-down effect. Yeah. And you can – calling a customer service line is one of the best windows, transparent windows yeah. to get a view into the leadership of an organization. Yeah. What exactly are they saying? Right. What aren't they saying? Right. Well, I mean, you think of all of these companies – and Nordstrom's, for example, has gotten such great feedback. But they'll just take whatever you want back. We'll take mm-hmm. it back. My sister worked there, and they would bring stuff back that they know never came from this company. Mm-hmm. That was never sold at Nordstrom's, and they'll take it back. Right. And it's it seems absurd until you're shopping at Nordstrom's. Then all of a sudden, it's the safety. It's just it's just I, we trust each other. Well, you know, you see the same thing at an organization like a Costco. Yeah. You know, I often tell people I would have gotten our children at Costco if they sold them. Oh, totally. And, You'd have um, to get three. Yeah. <laughs> three for one. But, but it and, and it's not only reflected in that customer experience. It's reflected in the fact that when I go to my local Costco, I see people who've worked there five, seven, ten yeah. years. Yeah. And, and because it, and you ask them if they like their job, and to a person they will say, "This is a great place Love to work." It. They they trust me. They they have an environment that's uplifting. Yeah. See, I. Um... You just can't get around it. And character, it's, it, is, it, is it something we teach or is it just something we're born with Well, or both? Yeah. I mean I think we, it's certainly something we can learn, yeah. but it's something that we don't live until we embrace. That's right. And, and I think in terms of, of, of taking it to others, we do teach it. But yeah. as you know, the harmony between actions and words is critical. Oh, it's huge. And I remember when we when I worked at Franklin Covey, one of our clients then was um, Ritz-Carlton, mm-hmm. who had a mission statement that was just – it was the character mission. It's basically we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And then they instill that in the heads and the minds of everybody. And there's so many stories of people getting off ladders to run across the – the courtyard to help somebody in with their luggage, and that mm-hmm. person was a janitor, wasn't even the bellman, and people just backing each other up and doing it. Character is there. I even think it's instilled in our heart. It's inherent, which is maybe why Jacob Marley was coming back. It's in there. Right. And when you know, once you move on to the other side, you realize that maybe that's the most important thing. Right. Interesting interview. Uh, again, that was Bill Bennett, who is the author of the book Jacob T. Marley where uh, he he gets into the stories from Jacob Marley. Do you remember the great visitor that came and visited uh, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge and, uh, you know, set up the great entourage of ghosts that he would go through? Now, there's a great quote that I wanted to make sure we bring up. He was talking about, um, uh, by the way, in fact, it was about, it was Jacob Marley, which was where he ended up using the phrase, it's all humbug. I tell you, it's humbug. Um, Anyway. Here's the, here's the great quote from Jacob Marley. Business, he says, mankind was my business. Um, their common welfare was my business. Business is about mankind. And, J- and Jacob had learned, having passed on, that uh, they hadn't treated mankind as their business. They had treated making money as their business. 
And I think you can see it in organizations and companies around the world. When we put people first, uh, it's a different business. And those businesses we tend to trust more. And uh, again, you know, people make money, but you don't want to make money at the expense of the people, especially when it's the people that are helping you make the money. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to get into four different principles. You've heard them mentioned throughout the entire show today, four keys that I feel are critical to building a a healthy uh, spirit of engagement and to try to truly feel engaged in your job, your career. We'll be back with that. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Can you build a robot that can fetch your slippers from the living room? How about from behind a rock on Mars? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. NASA's Centennial Challenge Program engages the public to find innovative solutions through competition and cooperation. One of these forward-looking contests is the Sample Return Robot Challenge. Scheduled for 2012, it carries a million and a half dollar total prize purse for the winners. The goal of the Sample Return Robot Challenge is to develop a robotic system that can operate without human guidance or interference. The plan is for the pre-programmed robotic competitors to find, gather, and return multiple objects to a designated zone, and do it before the clock runs out. The robots will be retrieving items such as a hockey puck, a metal hook, and several other small objects. I don't actually think slippers are on the list. The benefits of such an invention are far-reaching. Since it's not dependent on communication with the control room on Earth, a robot that can operate autonomously will enable deeper space exploration. It could also cut down the time it takes to gather samples to analyze and achieve mission goals. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Ron Simpson is a music veteran who knows an awful lot about the record industry. There are music opportunities galore for both local and national bands, for singer-songwriters, for solo keyboard or guitar players. And on the other end of the spectrum, you can even hear the strains of chamber music or a full symphony orchestra. The Tantera Hour, weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern, right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up our show today on, uh, you know, being a motivating boss. Also, we've been talking about engagement and being an employee that is engaged, actively, uh, you know, into, passionate, excited about your your employment, what you're doing, and, and how to how to create that. So we're, we're going to get into giving you a few more tools, wrap up, maybe tie together some of the things we've learned today from some of our our guests and some of the pieces we've talked about. But before we do that, I wanted to have us read a question that we found on the Internet. And it comes from a young, younger employee, somebody, you know, getting a, a new job out of college yeah. into a professional work environment, small office, about five or six people on staff. And she says, I'm by far the youngest person here, but my boss tends to load me up with a lot of work while others in the office seem to be on Facebook or browsing the Internet. So I went to him to ask if I could transfer some of the less important tasks to another colleague who didn't look terribly busy so that I could focus on 
the big projects. The boss always says no. He has mood swings. He's grumpy all the time. <laughs> reamed her out. She wants to know, is the boss really treating her differently? And if so, what can she do about it in a professional manner? Excellent. Sounds like he is or they are. It was a he, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Let me just suggest something. And this is – that was a question that to me seems – ideal and fairly universal to a lot of our struggles that we have in the work environment. So I have these four principles I teach, and you heard them mentioned by our two guests. Bill Bennett, as he was talking about Jacob Marley, he talked about it. Tim Wall, the CEO that we visited with earlier, also talked about it. Four things that will help you um, kind of help yourself and help others in a business environment, okay? The first principle I call, it's just character. Character is the ability to sit there in an engagement, even when you're being taken advantage of, and um, and handle it based on your values and your principles, not just your mood, not just the situation and the circumstance. It's interesting in that question, the woman was talking about how her boss is all moody and kind of ornery. Um, when we make our decisions based on our mood and our honoriness, it, it's a it's a basically, I would say, a fairly good indicator we're not operating out of our character. We're operating out of kind of our lowest self versus our highest self. And one of the things I'm running into, and, and I see this every time I, I coach people in my business or when I go out and teach it in corporate America, um, do the people that – and do you personally – just answer this question. Do you have enough character – to say what needs to be said in a way that in a way that and, and say it when it needs to be said that takes some character some fortitude do you have the ability to not say stuff that doesn't need to be said do you have the ability if you were just mistreated by your boss to not go talk about it with everybody do you have the ability and the character to take it right to them do you have the ability if they dump on you and take advantage and they're so rude like this woman's explaining her boss, do you have the ability to go home and effectively let some of it go? And because here's what I'm finding. Um, so the first principle for all of us at our work site, whether you're the boss or the employee, do we have the ability to live with each other, co-work with each other and co-create some results together based on character? Here's my basic rule. If we don't have the character to do that, we're going to suffer in every other part of the business environment. If you don't have the character to not react and be really reactive to what they're saying, then guess what? Then I can't tell you certain things. One of the rules, the goals of character is that it builds mutual trust. We tend to trust people that are predictably strong in character. Um, And so ask yourself that. Just as an employee, bosses aside, do you have the character? Meaning, do you make your decisions based on your mood, I mean, on your your values and your principles? Or do you make your decisions based on your mood, situation, and circumstances? Your values and your principles mean you're going to be more likely to be able to stick to what's right. Like we, we heard mentioned earlier, let's do what's right. When we focus on doing what is right thing to do, that is going to demand some character. We shouldn't just do what everyone else in the office is doing. So that might help her. Now, she, I think this woman has character based on her very question. The next question, though, or the next principle is communications. You'll never be able to communicate better than you have the character to do it. Uh, don't ever assume you're going to be able to communicate in such a better way that your character can't hold up. 
And by the way, you'll never be able to listen to other people if you don't have the character to listen. How many times have you been talking to somebody and you say something and you see them start to react? So it's great that we just go try to communicate with each other. But one of the hardest things I found about our communication skills is some of us don't have the character, the wherewithal to actually hear what the other person's saying. We take offense. We we start negatively interpreting what they're saying. So what I would suggest to this woman, and it sounds like she's tried to do it, is she, we need to communicate. And we need to go up to our boss and actually drop drop the line. Hey, this I'm struggling with this. I And here's my problem. And I wouldn't go in as a complaint. I would probably go in and say, okay, I got 25 things to do today based on our last three meetings, and I need your help prioritizing them. Now, he still may be a jerk. And if he's a jerk... He's a jerk. He might say, well, I just need you to do them all. Just get doing them all. Um, do you have the character to hear that? By the way, you also could have the character to find another job. You also could have the character to go prepare your resume and make sure you're prepared to get another job. Um, but we also have to communicate. So many times when I see and go work with corporations, I see time and time again, we don't tell our bosses. We don't give our bosses feedback. I call that feedback up. A lot of us are really good at giving feedback down to people, the people below us that we are bosses over. Some of us are very good at giving feedback laterally to the people we work with, but some of us struggle a lot giving feedback up. And again, that simply might be if you're a boss out there, do you have the character to hear what they're saying and to communicate? So character, first principle, it ends up fostering mutual trust. We trust people that aren't as reactive. Communication, second principle, fosters understanding. Now, if your boss doesn't want to understand you and doesn't want to change and make something better, then I personally would do the best I can and I would deliver the best I can. And guess what? It's probably going to fail because... You're bound to fail on this one because you're overwhelmed and overloaded. And when he comes to you, I would just use as much character and communication skills to communicate. The hard part you're dealing with is um, you can really only be as effective in your communication as the weakest communicator. So if your boss is fairly weak in the communication front, you're going to struggle. You can be a superhero and amazing, and yet they still have to be able to receive your messages. Once we have communication and some character going for us um, in our own relationships and our own situation at work, do you uh, are you very cooperative? You know what I might actually do is see if there's a way to circumvent the boss in a weird way and go talk to all the coworkers. Apparently, all the coworkers have figured out how to not have to do the work. I might go talk to them and say, "Hey, what would you do if you were in this situation? I'm noticing this. What's going on? There's some pretty interesting information you might be able to find just by talking and cooperating with the other people in the room. Um, it's not always that you're in a competition with everybody that you work with. Sometimes they have some pretty cool answers for you. And last but not least, the last principle, by the way, cooperation is the idea that we're all going to benefit. I'll promise you in this scenario with this woman, if she's not going to benefit from this situation, um, She's going to opt out eventually. She's going to leave. And when she leaves, guess what? We'll just find a new one, I guess. Long-term relationships demand mutual benefit. And we heard that from our earlier uh, guest, Tim Wall, was talking about his employees. It's a hard decision to give all of your employees um, these these benefits and and give them health care and give them all of these things that they may, they weren't normally receiving. He chose to go after what benefit they wanted. 
and what he found as employees that he would normally just, you know, hire and fire year in, depending on, you know, they were temporal, uh, what's it called, seasonal workers that would just go work for the summer. He found that it might be more valuable to keep some of these great people on and give them benefits. That was a very cooperative approach. Based in character, he communicated with his people and he found out what they wanted. And then he found a way to cooperatively make it happen. The last principle, though, is change. Um, and this comes down to every one of us. If you're sitting in an organization and you're not happy there, then use your character, your communication, your cooperation skills, and change. Either you change or change your attitude about what's going on or change your job. You know, in, in the end, there's nothing more constant in our life than change. And so four simple principles, but ask yourself, are you at your work, if you're the boss, do you exude character Are you a great communicator? Do you know how to cooperate and build cooperation on your team? And are you a change agent? Or are you somebody that just, you know, everyone leaves because you're immovable and unwilling to change? Long-term relationships demand those four things. The great benefit of changing is this concept of mutual growth, growth that's going to keep lasting. So I challenge all of us, and that's everyone here at BYU Radio, everyone that's listening Let's quit just being disengaged. Let's start engaging in our own lives. If, uh, you know, are you the kind of boss that people will follow? I'm going to bet if you have character, communication skills, cooperation and change skills, people are going to follow you. That's uh, That seems to be some pretty basic living. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Thanks for joining us. We hope you learned something today. Uh, we know, I know I have. And... Um, I think now I'm committed to be even a better boss if I can be. This is the show. We'll be back tomorrow with more ideas, more tools for you right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.